everyone, and welcome to Grip Lock Foundation Disc Golf Weekly Podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor, and we got quite the show coming up today. We're going to kick it off with a little Patreon question of the week, go into a bunch of stuff from the European Open. That'll be mainly the show, and then a little Trevor's trivia, and wrap it up with a little power ranking update. Um, it's about time with them power rankings, huh? Yes. I feel like it's been a while. No, we did I, think, I think we did last week. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> um... But it is about time. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, been a whole week. Dude. Just itching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I just get, got signed out of my notes. Yeah, right. We're gonna start off with a little Patreon question. If you're not sure where um, these Patreon questions are coming from each and every week, it's from Patreon.com. So I'm have to I'm have to pause. Trevor, you tell them where it's from while I type my password. I can't. <laughs> I was trying to think of my password while our, I was speaking, uh, and one, my, two, I was just brain jammed. Four. I couldn't type. Our Patreon question of the week comes from our Heiser Club members. You can go to patreoncom golf and check out the club. You can also sign up for a free trial. So if you want to try all the benefits without uh, paying anything to start, you're welcome to do that. We have a bunch of different tiers. Uh, we offer things such as our exclusive content. We do a video for them every month. We do giveaways, contests, all that kind of thing. And then also a big part of it and our favorite part of it is the Heiser Club mailbag, which is a exclusive, Best part of the week. Yeah, exclusive weekly podcast we do every Friday where we are asked questions by our Heiser Club members and we answer every single one of them. Every one of them. Every single week. Uh, and, and we put thought into it. It's like a friend group at this point. It, it is. is a friend group. Like we know their names. They're our buddies. We should just change their name to the inner circle. We it have, might as well be. We have very very much inside jokes with them we also know the personalities of our Heiser Club members it's awesome and that could be you if you join the um if you join the Heiser Club today anywho this one came from <laughs> <You> sir <laughs> just too much input man not enough output <laughs> this one came from sir Sam Norville sorry Justice Ballard he had a good he had yeah, a good stretch yeah. he did two weeks a in a row but hey, hey he's a generous guy he's willing to give it up for I like this question yeah. more than the yeah. question he asked unfortunately um so Sam Norville asks, if disc golf was like polo, where the players are on horseback, what animal would you choose to ride? Do you ride know something while I learned about horses the other day? I would like to give my wild animals. Do you know something I learned about horses real quick the other day? What they eat pomegranates and they like love it. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, the, I never knew that. Like the seeds and all, or just just it the makes whole sense. thing. They eat the whole thing. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I mean, it's like an Crazy. apple, I guess. Yeah, I get um, it. Pomegranates and apples are the same fruit, right? Anyways, yeah, basically I'm not a big fruit guy. So I don't know. <laughs> what would I choose to play disc golf on? What a wild animals preferred. Yeah, we had a we had a long discussion about this on the podcast because there was a lot of different schools of thought. I'm we, sticking with mine. We tried I'm sticking with mine as well, but I'd like to go last. We tried throwing. Okay. <laughs> we tried throwing discs out of a uh, like a ATV once, moving pretty fast, and that was kind of difficult. But you did get extra distance without yes. having to try very hard. Yeah. So I did like that advantage, and I think you could get used to it. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think you said. Yeah, go ahead, Hunter. You say yours. I'm trying to remember mine. I can go. I can go with mine. Okay. If you okay. You go. With All yours. right. I'm just gonna go and go. I think that mine is is the trump card. Okay. I don't feel like it can be beat. In my personal opinion, my answer is an elephant, and the reason being is that I think that I would have a distinct advantage over everyone because on an elephant's back, I could just have it stand still and I could do a complete X-step run Do you believe that, though? I believe that. I you know that's not true. Yeah. I, if you can do... If you can do, you would fall off an elephant. It's, it's a, the, the back step. is arched. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's just like you don't it's have also perfect, not the size of the You don't have perfect footing, but you can still do like a run-up. You might, I, can't, I can't say you, you wouldn't stand be able still. to. You, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you might be able to. I, I feel like I'd have no better idea. accuracy than everyone else. And also, as soon as we get close to the circle, I just climb down that trunk, yo, and I tap can that thing trunk in. Can the hold you? Yes. You can like, you not, walk down it? Yeah, that's like a thing that they do I at like know. zoos and stuff like that where they like let you like, sit on thing? the trunk and they pick How much up. weight can an elephant trunk hold? Now I'm curious. I, I don't just know, know the I just that. know that like literally like it's like a ride you can pay for at the zoo where the you like for sit on the trunk and like, pick adults? You up. I've seen adults do it. Okay. Well, my answer is a cheetah because okay. I feel like you'd be cheating if you were on the back of a cheetah because you're just flying into your run-up at 60 miles an hour. I'm just saying, if we're asking whether or not a trunk can hold you, we got to ask whether or not a cheetah can hold you on its back and still run 60 miles an hour. Okay, maybe 40. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it can barely trunk, run if you're on um, its back. can help hold 3% of its own body weight. Holy crap! So that is so a it's ton. it's like 300 pounds. Because they, they weigh about, what, 1,000 pounds? They weigh, is it a ton? Know, a thousand I think pounds they usually weigh, pounds. I think they typically weigh two tons, two tons is what I've heard. So 2,000 pounds? Look, you can look it up, though. Is a ton of thousand pounds. We yes. should stop talking. A ton We're is a thousand stupid. pounds. A ton is a thousand. We're yeah. backing ourselves into so a corner where we don't know too much. Two thousand pounds. What's three percent of two thousand? Wait, 2000? is a ton six hundred? I think a ton might be two thousand pounds. No, three percent, not thirty percent. <laughs> I've never felt so stupid in my life. It's not six hundred. That's only sixty. That's yeah. not right. Right. So that's not that good. 
Come on, guys. Are we sure three? This is why we shouldn't get into these situations. Now we're just showing how dumb we are, everyone. I know. We've made a mistake. Was, I, 60, a ton 60 is 2,000 pounds. pounds. A ton okay, is 2,000 so, pounds. So they can only hold 120 pounds, Connor, if eh. they're two tons. Well, my elephant's really strong. I but mean, for the course of a whole round? Okay, fine. I won't get on its trunk. I still stand by it. <laughs> he's, I, but he's a cheetah, you're going to squash a cheetah. I don't believe a cheetah can <laughs> no, run I don't think so. Here's How much can a cheetah carry? Uh, and you're not going to be able to stay on a cheetah's back. Their backs are so slender, and they're like shoulder blades I'm around. locked in. I think I, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I go think with, I think that's very I'm gonna choose Hunter. horse. I need to wake up. Cheetahs are 160 pounds. You think it can't hold me on its back? Yeah, I don't think a cheetah can. can I can get on my dog's back, and she's only 90. Can you? Can I you don't get know. on your dog's back? I haven't tried it, but she can hold me. I feel it. I'm going. I'm going with a you horse. You think you're doing an X step on an elephant? Really? Yes, I think I can. Horses are dumb. What's like the more wild version of a horse? Actually, a wild give me a tiger. Zebra. I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna do a tiger. I can't argue with that. That's a good. Yeah, one. I, mean, I think it'd be hard to stay on its back, but I think it'd be fun. It'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with a tiger. All right, Trevor wins. <laughs> We're going to the European Open. That looked cool. Why didn't no one say lion? I would, scare the, I would scare the crap out of all my card mates. They would just run away. And You're right. Well, they it actually, would be after probably all the animals would start fighting. Mm. Actually, give me like a hyena. And I'd be s- no something ugly. Hyenas are scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the European Open went down this past weekend, and it was it was electric. Um. We'll start with FPO. FPO wasn't electric. FPO was not electric. Um, FPO was over after round one. Chris and Tatar. Quite literally. We're not even exaggerating. No, it was literally over after round one. Chris and Tatar is the the greatest skill-wise player, FPO player, to ever grace the face of the planet. That's my take. That's my statement. I don't think anyone can argue with it personally. Um, Mm. I think she doesn't have the accolades yet. She could easily get them, I think. Um, because yes, she's what thirty one, something like that. But 31, 32. she can maintain this for two or three more years, oh, and least. she's and Probably. she's got most of the accolades she, everyone else has. She so. should be able to play because like she's not the only. Th- she's known for things other than her distance, anyway. So Kristen Tatar could be playing this way until she's forty because she takes it seriously. If yeah. You take you take your health and body seriously, and I, all I've ever heard is that she's super professional with that kind of thing. Is like yeah, you could she could play this way till she's forty. So in case you didn't pay attention to what happened she won this tournament by 16 strokes she was the only <sighs> fpo player under par she shot 11 under for the tournament heidi lana heidi lane i believe is how you say her name came in second place at five over it's for probably, the tournament probably lana probably and then katrina allen and missy Finish. gannon tied for third at six over for the tournament so basically there was so the Kristen, there was the Kristen tatar field and then there was the fpo field after yeah um it's, it was ridiculous that is also crazy. on the pro like she just she was just so in control out there that like he, there was never a moment that you like thought there was never a moment I thought like well if she messes up in tomorrow's round it was like was I think if so she messed big. up in tomorrow's round she'd probably still extend her lead like at one point I think she was it round two that she didn't play so hot no round two she played great round three she played like not that good she shot even par and like tied for she hot. extended her lead by one but tied for hot like she Heidi Line A shot even as well so did Ella Hansen but at that time, I believe it was Katrina Allen that was like in second pushing with her and she beat her by one that round. So like her her overall lead from first to second grew. Um, and then round four, she shot even, which this on the Pro Tour coverage, on the Disc Golf Network coverage, they said this stat, which is a wild stat. This final round, she tied the hot round with a birdie on 18 again, making it 10 consecutive hot rounds at a major. <laughs> so in case you're not aware of that, oh that means she went wire to wire at this major, wire to wire at Champions Cup, and had the two final hot rounds at Worlds, wow. which she's won all three. She also just completed the Kristen Grand Slam, her career Grand Slam, um, and she's poised to do should, the Grand Slam yeah, this so season she, she should do this as year. well, but she has a career Grand Slam. She's now won U.S. Women's, I believe, in 2019, Worlds last year, Champions Cup, European Open. She's also won Worlds, Champions Cup, European Open all in a row. So, so she currently holds three of the four titles if she wins u.s women's as well which is u.s women's post worlds i think it is so she'd have to win worlds again and then u.s women she'd have to do the grand slam this year to hold which all very, four titles at possible. the same time it's it's probable not, it's probable yeah yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i would say it's likely she's I would nine say for 14 on the year now 75 percent chance maybe 80 percent chance that she gets the grand slam this year yeah right well now. her win percentage right now like i said nine for 14 so is, is very you want to put anything on if she doesn't no. 
I'll put a pure in my bag. Just for funsies. And if she does, I'll put oh, a pure in my oh, bag. Man. Sounds good. I love it. Chris and Tatar, wow. yeah. the suspense. It, 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 this is a tough this is a tough weekend to be anybody else in the FPO field and be like, man, Kristen Tatar is that much better. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one thing. It's, tough scenes. it's one thing when like if you lose by across the course of four four rounds, you lose by like six. And you're like, okay, well, I can go out there and I can think through where I can gain like two strokes. Yeah, a round. tough to find sixteen shots like, out there. To find four strokes around and like that is like a hard thing to think through and be like, I got to find four strokes around and not just like I find four, like I feel like they're, they're some of these players probably felt like they played pretty solid and lost by 15, this 16. Been, well, it's, it's like, um, it's like with like debt, like you just got to make it sound better by stretching it out. So it's like, you just got to find two strokes every nine holes. <laughs> you just got to find one, stroke, find stroke, one, one stroke. stroke every four and a half holes. Yeah. That's easy to do when you put it that way. You got to find half a stroke every 2.25 holes that's, that's not just that like bad. a made putt yeah yeah you know what never mind kristen's not that good yeah kristen's <laughs> like not even that impressive when you stretch it like that it's just it's crazy because kristen like kristen is obviously very good like you don't yes. but she's not doing anything that complicated she's just making she's putts. Just not putting up. was really good especially c2 putting mm-hmm. And she's getting it to see her C2 and reg was good, which we always, if you've got good putting percentages and your C2 and reg is good, you're going to win a lot of times. Um, and then like just not throwing OB a ton is very simple things and combining them all. And that, that leads to a lot of success in FPO right now because Kristen Zatar is just so well-rounded and, and that's just getting it done. And man, I mean, it is like, it, it's a shame bec- to some extent, like it's, it's cool to watch when a player is dominant like that. But it's at the same time, it's like who is going to turn on their TV and watch that? Like it, it was like is a little bit of a, a shame that like the major championship was over after one round. It was a shame for for the major for sure. Um, but it, I think the dominance though, sick. the dominance across the season, I think is good for the growth of a division because it's similar to Paul in 2015 and 2016. Like I feel like a, a dominant stretch by a player is good for. The yeah. growth of the sport, the growth of a division, um, over good. over a certain period of time, because yeah, it's it, good to it, have that star player. It yeah. starts where like, because now if you get to a tournament where Kristen's in second or third, everyone wants to tune in because it's like, is someone actually going to beat her? Yeah, or it can she make the comeback? Um, which if she's down by three strokes or more, my no, thing is, the answer I don't. Point, I'm but. pretty sure I've yet to see. Kristen playing well and lose like that's yes that's where I but want, the same I that's that's similar like, to Paul in 2015 and even like 2016 like when Paul lost most time he wasn't like he wasn't playing great like I feel like it's yeah. a very similar thing the only difference is Paul at least had Rick Kristen doesn't have one singular competitor she has like yeah. certain players will have their weekends yeah. like Haley King on the right weekend can beat Kristen sure um Cat Merch, we've seen. Sayananda, Katrina Allen, Paige Pierce, unfortunately, is going to be out for the rest of the year, but her on the right weekend. Like, there's players on the right weekend, but none of them are consistently up there, which, yeah. like, that's what we at least had during the Ricky Paul era, like the 2014 to 2018-ish era, is, like, those two, week in and week out, you had a battle up top. This is, like, Kristen, and I hope someone shows up. Yeah, well, and, and it becomes, once you get this much momentum, too, as, as Kristen Tatar it's so hard to stop her. She's won $55,000 this year. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Okay. And like FPO. What's purses, the MPO cash? At, like what's the, yeah, it would probably, I think I can it find that Calvin on the for sure. Events. Well, it might not be Calvin cause he hasn't won a major. So he might, I think it. I can find it in players. But who's won the other majors? I, yeah, no, it would be Calvin. Calvin. So 2023 cash leader. So far is Gannon Burr oh, right Gannon. now, fifty five five four three, and then Kristen Tatar's in second at fifty five four ninety, and then Calvin's at fifty two four fifteen. Yeah, which hey, shout out to disc golf purses. That's really that that's just winnings. But yeah, per event, Kristen's winning because Gannon's played oh. six more events. Yeah, yeah, Kristen. Yeah, the and like imagine with her performance bonuses too. Like I, it's it's crazy. It's insane. Um. And then, like those purses have come a long way, but winning fifty five grand and we're halfway through the season is like absolutely. Nuts. I mean, that was let's just let's just take a look at Paul's twenty fifteen. I think it was like seventy grand. I think he won seventy two thousand for the whole year. And that like was that. like he didn't he he right. finished off podium once. Let me just search it this way. 
he finished off podium once and won all four majors. Like he did everything. Seventy-two thousand dollars. Why do I know that? I don't know. But um, seventy-two thousand dollars and the dude only lost. I think it's six times. If I'm if I remember correctly, yeah. see, two, three, four, five, six times. One of them was a C tier to start the year. That's funny. Um, he came third at a C tier to begin the year, but only lost six times. Never finished off the podium. Chris, so Chris basically, probably a better season than Kristen's having. Yeah. Which sounds crazy, but only seventy two grand. Kristen is on pace for like a hundred something. Yeah, Kristen will probably continue setting the cash winnings record every year as the purses go up. I mean, it's just it might like I was looking to her lowest cash this year was thirteen hundred bucks. Like knowing you're showing up to every event and bringing home at least a thousand bucks is like that's pretty that's, dope. that's, pretty, that's dope. pretty sick. Uh, that's pretty awesome for disc golf. Well, um, it's also wild. Like, uh, there's no other sport on the face of the planet. Where the cash leader or like the player who makes the most money is in the FPO division or in the like WNBA or the, I mean, sure. am I wrong? Yeah. No. Yeah. I uh, mean, that I, sounds I'm right. Trying to think. Yeah. Too. I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know closest would probably be if Serena Williams was dominant in tennis, but that sh- probably still wasn't close because that should have been during yeah Federer or Nadal. Yeah. I mean, it would be very hard to look that up, but, but I don't know that it's it's pretty unprecedented to have somebody winning this. I don't know. I, there's probably an example somewhere yeah. there, but but it is pretty Either crazy. Way, it's a huge huge win for disc golf. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, and that should get as the season goes on. I'm sure it'll get some type of notoriety outside as well. Um, but that was the FPO storyline. I mean, we can look down the leaderboard and talk about others if we want. But it was it was Christian Tatar's weekend, and everyone else was there just to cheer her on. Basically, can I um, ask you a question really quick? You sure can. All right, this might be. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, so. Kristen Zatar obviously is becoming a very uh, desirable sponsored player this year. Mm-hmm. Do you, so there will probably be some sort of bidding war on her behalf for next season. Do you she's think there's any chance that she's locked she's up? Locked oh up. yeah, what's her what's her? Um, she signed four years. Either a year or two signed, ago. Yeah, she, well, she yeah, but we know the, that doesn't mean anything in disc golf anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. She signed yeah. the Kona deal. I would, before I, Kona, so she was locked up for five hundred thousand across four years. There's definitely going to need to be some kind of renegotiation um, there, though. Yeah, depends what's in her contract. True, but I, I would guarantee she's worth more now than she was when she signed the contract. I don't know about that. I, she signed the contract so? like while this start like during dominance. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's and true. I mean, I think they, I think that the amount of money that she's getting it's paid, a guaranteed five hundred. Right. I think the amount yeah. of money she's getting paid was based on them figuring she was going to dominate the next few years. Yeah, I mean, that it's, makes it's sense. a ton of money. I okay. will say, um, we sell. I'm pretty sure this is true. I think we sell Kristen Tatar discs faster than Ricky discs. Dang. At our, at our online store. Yeah, Kristen discs move. I mean, Kristen's a big what. deal. I, I, I would now if I will say if she has some kind of renegotiation clause, um, then then well they do a really good job with the Kristen discs. They look really good. good Kristen her, already but. had a contract for 2022. New deal will take effective immediately. I mean, she'll big event in 2022. So she signed this going into 2022. So okay. we're in year two of her four-year deal. Yeah. Okay, right now. She's, she's locked in the next but, few years. Yeah, I mean, she keeps this going. She'll if she keeps this going, she'll probably get a retirement type deal at yeah. the end of the next at the end of this deal. Okay. Like maybe we might see like a five-year something crazy amount of money. But okay. yeah, latitude latitude got a good one there. Well, the question too is like with the disc golf market that we've seen, the disc golf market exploded and has now come down and is kind of leveled. A lot of the like the million dollar a year contracts we saw and the Kona Panis and the Kristen Tatar deal were all in that explosion. Mm-hmm. We're now down to a level. We are going to learn a lot based like, on what Gannon gets. Are players yeah, worth true. a million yeah, dollar a year anymore? We're mm-hmm. going to learn a ton based on what Gannon. I'm sure we'll probably we probably will never know. These, I, well, well, because well, the thing now is, Simon, if you're not signing someone to a million a year, now Simon got a deal post the boom. But Simon is, but he is YouTube personality. Yeah, he is a bit of an anomaly, and MVP has benefited greatly from. That. Yeah, Simon is a very much. But a, we, I think we'll, Simon's a unique one. It wouldn't surprise me if Gannon. Uh, but if 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 I'm a company. And I don't sign someone for a million a year. I'm not publishing the number. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think. I don't think because that, like you don't want a chance of signing Gannon to six fifty a year, seven hundred grand yeah. a year, and getting negative press for it because you didn't sign him to a million. Yeah, and like, that's. Yeah. Like, it's also tough to know. It's tough to know like what. I think a lot of people in disc golf probably have a false idea of like what a good value for a disc golf. Because realistically, if you're getting six figures guaranteed, no matter who you are in disc golf right now, that's a good deal. It's a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just take that deal. Yeah. Because that is that is. I think the only is amazing in my opinion, 
the only two players that were worth a million when they signed it was Paul and Simon. Yeah, no, I, I think those two are I worth it. I, I don't think Kona Panis was worth five hundred k. I don't know that Paul is worth a million over ten years. Kona Panis five hundred k. Well, I think the total value of the deal. I think they made so much so quickly. Early yeah, that they probably, probably already covered. It. Yeah, maybe because yeah. you still have to think the Zeus, the Onyx, the Malta, yeah. like the Luna. I feel like it's lost a little steam, but the Hades, the Zeus, like his I, other. I'm line, sure. I'm sure they're not gonna. They're not gonna lose sleep over that deal. But no. yeah, Simon's Simon's yeah, all deal, the six times stuff. Stuff man flew off. The although ship. I will say, um, Simon needs to win some more tournaments. Simon does need to win. He some does. More. I want to. Yeah, but that's but, a good thing with Simon is his values off the course. Yeah, like his true. value is on the course, but. The dude's still moving plastic, whether he's playing well or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, MVP's a wagon. But I mean, realistically, when Kristen signed her deal, it was mid dominance, but it was before her last season and before this season. She probably wasn't worth five hundred k. No, it was I, probably a yeah I risky think, deal. She's worth it now, but yeah. when she signed it, okay. I don't know if she was worth it. And like Kona, Ricky, I don't think they were worth the deal they got. I think it was a, a pressure of the market that that led to those deals. And mm-hmm. so I think that this upcoming off season. We're going to see a lot of players thinking they're worth numbers they're not because the market's adjusted, the market's calmed down. Um, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. It will be. Um, there's a lot of players, I think, I could be wrong, either this offseason or next offseason, a lot of players are up. Um, on the MPO side, though, the I don't think anyone would have or could have predicted this top three. Mm-mm. We had Ezra Aderhold in third, Kyle Klein in second, and Corey Ellis taking down his first ever major championship at the european open Heck his yeah. first trip to europe was i believe it, was his first elite series or better he, possibly he, yeah i think la- so last year he obviously choked he, away he got himself MVP. in position several times i think he choked away another one didn't he deglo uh, yeah deglo as well um i don't know if he wins. choked deglo i think, I think he, he lost was, in a playoff yeah, didn't he? but it wasn't as bad as mvp mvp was worse no he's never won higher than an a tier yeah so this is his first elite series or major and there he did go. it at the european i've got a fun open. fact for you um, as I was looking into trivia questions, this didn't become one. It just became a fun fact. Uh, Corey Ellis is the first ever player to win their first major at the European Open. Wow. Every other player who has won the European Open, it was not their first major. Is he the first that's major crazy. champion from West Virginia? Um, major champion? Yeah. I Probably. I don't know. I, I can't think of... I don't know way back, but... Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a good Country chance. Rose, take me home. Um, he he just he did what he had to do out there. He shot a four under final round. It was good enough to win by one stroke. Kyle Klein gave a very solid effort. Shot a ten under final round, but ended up one stroke shy. That's, that's not his final round. Oh, I was like, he shot ten under the final round. I was wondering. I was like, how the heck did he do? <laughs> he all shot right, ten all right, under. All right, all right, everyone, calm down. Corey calm, Ellis did I'm more calm. than what he. I was looking. I was like, I don't remember that being the story. Corey Ellis shot ten under final round. Kyle Klein shot ten under final round. Ezra Aderhold nine under to do what they needed to do to get up into the top three. I was on round one because I was looking at Kristen's scores. Dude, props on Ezra. Um, yeah, Ezra, a very solid finish. Kyle Klein, I think, I was rooting, I think, the hardest for Corey Ellis, Anthony Barella, which we'll talk about in a second, and Ezra Aderhold. Um, who all played well. Who all played great. Nothing against Kyle. It's just, for some reason, I felt like Kyle had already won a major, but it's not true. No. He just lost in the playoff at USDGC. Yeah. Um, Everybody near the top of the leaderboard, um, except for a, Eagle, played a pretty. I mean, Eagle shot eight under. Oh, I, I thought you were gonna say it had no. Was, but I'm it saying all, for the it first was major. it was a very it was a very good finish because yes. um, there were so many people in it down the stretch and they were all playing really well. The wind was down that final day, which made the course really attackable, and guys were just throwing darts. Like pretty much all of them that were fighting for it were fighting for their first major. Eagle was the only one that was in the mix that wasn't because Calvin yeah. Heimberg had the lead. We'll talk about him in a second. Yeah, we got, we'll get to him. But let's talk about Anthony Barella first. So Anthony sure. Barella ended up in seventh place, Gosh. but he was in control of this tournament going into hole 16. Yeah. He had, I believe, a two-stroke lead, if I'm not mistaken. One shot. One shot lead going into 16. But with the finish of 16, 17, 18, he was in the driver's seat because there's tough finishing holes. A lot can go wrong. And if you go par, 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 chances are you're going to take it. It was definitely the biggest hurdle. Um, and he threw a, a good drive on 16. Was he was okay. a little pinched off, but he got way down there. Just a forehand onto the green. And then my man threw, I believe, five shots. I think it was six. Six shots, five six. deep, one left. Five deep of the green. And this is a hole, so it's not OB if you do that. You just you don't progress. You just rethrow. So it's just a bunker rule, very unique rule. You just rethrow, no stroke penalty yeah. uh, until you're safe. And so first one, he just juiced, which that's very understandable, adrenaline. Yeah. He pumped it deep. 
Second one, no adjustment. Basically landed on top of his last disc. Mm-hmm. The third one, I believe, was the one that he yanked left. Um, yeah, so that so. one, adjustment on well, the distance. It went left, left and it still went long. It went into the crowd. Was that the one that went in the crowd or the yeah, next one going no, in the crowd? it was the third one, I think, that went into the crowd. Okay, so never mind. No adjustment on distance either. Fourth one, long. I believe by the score, he took an eight. Yeah, he took an so, eight. So one in the fairway, long, long, long left, long, long. Yeah, it was six shots. Finally on the green on his Almost six. long. Almost long. Curled back in. On the green, made his putt for an eight. His tournament's over. Right there. He was yeah, out of it. it. Was because Corey Ellis, every other day, I believe, had laid up for the four. And he, he was in a it. solid position and watched this happen in front of him. Yeah. So you just watched a guy go long, 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 yeah. long, long park. AB and, and then dude. Corey Ellis stepped up and clutched up and was like, I need to put my foot on the gas. This is my chance. And he parked it. Backhand hyzer just Heck straight yeah. under the green. Yeah, he was in such better. I mean, AB's drive put him in a spot where he was further back than he needed to be. And he had to go forehand, which wasn't a big problem because forehand was a preferred play. Well, he definitely had the distance. But he, yeah, he was just further back. Um, he was like as literally as far back as you could be because he was tug, hugging like the right OB. And I, it's so tough because like AB... His putting was so good this whole tournament. He was like 92% C1X and like mm. 40% C2 or something. He, it was some crazy C2 percentage as well. He was banging putts. And like, so like, he didn't look shaky. Um, you knew that this was going to be like the toughest part of the round. This, there's a reason that this and USDGC are so tough to like win as your first major because you're going to have to get past a hole that just is evil. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, obviously. The first time he misses the island, it's not even a big deal. He was in the lead, and now he has a chance to get up and down for par. Yeah. Even the second time, not the end of the world. You can still win this tournament. Third time, you still got a little chance. Like It, it literally was so heartbreaking, and it just like couldn't make the adjustment. Um, now, that green front to back is so skinny, but the problem was the deepest point is more right and like to where the basket is. He was kind of fading in left of the basket like it's almost like you had to like try and dump it and i understand on the forehand it's really tough to get yourself to miss right of the basket like you're trying so hard to not let it go early and he threw a lot of good shots they were just too long like and he just missed one short yeah i mean i was watching i saw the first one go deep and the second one land on top but i was like this yeah. third one better hit the hay and it's yeah it's like tough. that's where my head was i was like you got and he, i think you're right you i think even, the third one he pumped into the crowd which was yeah. technically even deeper you can even like jump and skip point. over those hay bales too like it, yeah you have to and it's tough when you got all the adrenaline going like you're juiced but you've got a disc down or something like you can't well you can't miss that you, same way over and over again i mean at some point you run out of discs you're confident I, would, in. I started thinking i was like man at what point does this guy because like he was forced pretty heavily into that forehand and tried to hit that that shot with a backhand turnover is almost impossible because you got to the disc has to get over the hay bale and not go long which is so difficult um and i was thinking to myself like yeah is he just gonna empty his bag here because it was it was getting bad it was very tough to watch like it was very the last time i've seen something like that was it reminded me of like johnny mccray at usddc where very similar feeling not nearly as big of a lead but it was painful to the sense it was just like throwing over and over again but hey that's the beauty of that hole and guess what Coriolis, not only did he throw you know he was in better position tossed it under the basket but then he steps up to 17 and yeah. just throws an absolutely gutsy hyzer flip puts it <laughs> puts it to like 20 feet it came out of his wow my voice is cracked it came out of his hand i was i was 100 percent positive it was ob it flipped late like it, i watched it was it, dirty it came out of his hand i was like oh no like that's gone that's yeah. gone and then it just slowly got up not only did it get up it turned a little bit it was sick yeah it was a it beautiful was shot sick. and then yeah 18 18 is a very tricky hole but it's not super tricky if you have to play for par. Yeah. Like, it's not the... Yeah. It's a very hard hole if you're trying to birdie. It's hard if you're trying to get to that green and But if you're going just, like, placement the- shot, placement shot, and then Coriel just had a jump putt up yeah. and a stress-free drop-in for his win. Right time, um, right place. Coriel, so he just, he just yeah. hung around. Now, Eagle McMahon, um, I think, was in a spot where he definitely could have won this event. Yeah, what bogeys. ended up holding him back from really being in it was the double bogey on three early in the round that hurt. And then he had two bogeys down the stretch, yeah. 15 and 17. I, when he took, he took solo lead at one point and I thought, okay, this is it. Cause like at that point it was like AB was the guy he, and Kyle Klein, like yeah. young guns that he but was Eagle holding was off. always a hold a hole ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I thought, I thought, Oh, he's going to get it now. And then those two bogeys down the stretch, it was very weird because he was throwing so well the whole day. Yeah. Um, and he played a good tournament. 
Uh, Play, finish him. But yeah, I thought for sure at that point he was going to get it. Ezra, he was just a little bit too far ahead. Just you know, he shot nine under. He played really well, and it, yeah, it just wasn't quite enough. But um, and similar with Kyle Klein, just wasn't quite enough. Now a player that this is, that that's not true of is Calvin Heimberg. Yeah. The guy who should have won this tournament is Calvin Heimberg. He had. What a stroke or two, two strokes I think going into the final day. Yeah, well he shot. I mean he shot four under and only lost by three with that, yeah. with a bad score. Like he just had to go to seven under. He just the the middle stretch, which a lot of people were not really tearing up, but at least getting some birdies. The seven to what is it seven to twelve stretch, people were at least getting birdies. Eagle got all of them. Calvin was one over through that stretch. He yeah. got none of them. Um, so bad. You know, I think it's time to start asking the question. Right, it's tough. Calvin does get himself into contention a lot. He doesn't always close the door. We've always been in the fan club. The mindset of the reason it feels like Calvin can't clutch up is because he's always in those positions, and so he like he is clutch. He just can't do it every time. Yeah, I don't know. I started questioning it this week because well, this is like he's one. never won a major. He was in the driver's seat. This was a course that realistically should have played completely fine to his game, and he just couldn't do it. Like he just couldn't get it together. Um, yeah, I, I, he has all the skill in the world, so it's not a skill gap. It's not a consistency gap. He's one of the most consistent players on, on tour. It's gotta be something between the ears. Well, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that complex. I mean, it was a major, he had the lead and he squandered it. Like, I think that's pretty, I still don't think that Calvin is like a choke artist or anything. I think that, I think it's fine just to, to, agree with the narrative of yeah he hasn't won a major yet there is enhanced pressure at majors and it got to him like that is for sure a thing um and and yeah that, that will start to build i mean that that it is really hard to win majors especially when you haven't won one yet and like for him to be leading i'm surprised he didn't close it out i really thought he would this time and yeah it's not great for him and at this point in the season you know he hasn't won in a while. It, 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 it started out this season as being like, oh, Calvin's resume is ridiculous. He's already won twice and a silver um, or whatever. It was. I think it was twice and two elites and a silver. And then, um, you know, and all everything in between is so good. And at this point, he's still rattling off all like, I mean, what are you finishing? Uh, tied for, or what are you, fifth? I think or he fourth. Fourth, tied fourth. Tied fourth. So that's what I'm saying. Like, he's still rattling off all these good finishes, but the wins have slowed down to the point where like, yeah, I mean, it'll be a little bit different narrative maybe if this continues. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. He, he's been a, the thing about him is like, I feel like his game just hasn't even been clicking lately and he's still finishing pretty well. But being in the lead going into the final round and losing it, that's tough. And I, I think that tough. that's got to be a tough one to swallow. I hope that he is able to get that major out of the way this year. I think he still has a great chance at any of the, at either of the last two. But. Yeah, I really thought he was going to close this one out, and he got hunted down by a lot of players. Hunted him down. Yeah, it wasn't just one guy. Yeah, um, yeah, I was very. I, I don't know. I was surprised. Um, it, the storyline's definitely building. This, we'll put it that way, because uh, I, I don't love him at Worlds this year. Um, I, I do like him at USDGC. I think he's got a solid chance at USDGC. But, I mean, at some point, I believe at this point he's the player that has the most Elite Series wins without a major title of all time or something like that, or maybe of active players. I've just seen that stat thrown up where he has the most Elite Series wins. I think it's like nine or something like that without a major. Maybe it's more. Well, Um, it has to be. Well, especially in the Pro Tour era because nobody else has that many wins. And... You know, it's that's a tough one. It's a tough one. He he definitely needs to needs to get one soon because if he doesn't win one this year, that is the storyline next year. Every major you go into, it's like, can Calvin actually yeah, do it? Yeah, once people start catching on to that, it gets harder because now it's like it sticks to you. Um, and you know, the other player that it's is kind of in a similar narrative, but at least has a few, I believe, six majors. Um, Ricky Wysocki, his drought since the 2017 Worlds, I believe, was his last major, is continued. Uh, he yes. was not able to do it again. He lost by five strokes. He got himself back in the mix with an 11 under. I believe it was the hot round, final round. Um, I believe that's true. The hot, the course record was set by like two or three different guys this weekend at 12 under. But Ricky shot 11, final round, moved himself up into sixth place. Um, like I said, five strokes off the lead. Didn't finished. do it, though. Didn't, didn't do it out there. Uh, final storyline, I believe, to cover, unless you have yeah, one. Yeah, scroll way to the bottom. From the, the European Open is... Um, Paul McBeth DNF'd uh, after 
14 holes in the final round um, due to a shoulder injury. It sounded like it wasn't anything too serious from what Brian Earhart was reporting. Uh, it sounded like, so Paul was, for all intents and purposes, Paul was out of it. No, Paul was out of it after three rounds. He was really almost out of it after two. Yeah, after two, it was like <laughs> it's going to take some Paul-type stuff to, to win. Um, but after three, it was done. And apparently, he, uh, from what the Disc Golf Network was saying, he went back out to like practice some type of shot that he wasn't feeling comfortable with, wasn't feeling good with, and was throwing it a bunch after round three and tweaked his shoulder during that and then came out and played 14 holes of round four and then DNF'd basically to prevent farther further injury so i don't know if he tweaked something again during like the he, he went bogey bogey par par to finish so i don't know if like during that stretch he like tweaked it farther and was like worried about hurting it or or what what happened that caused the dnf it doesn't sound like he's too concerned about coming back um so it'll definitely be an interesting storyline to follow he did after that dnf go and hop on anthony barella's bag um and caddied for ab the rest of it which side note not it doesn't matter who does it or, or anything like that um because i don't mind the idea of players caddying for other players i don't like the idea of a caddy being able to join mid-round mm. i always think that's a weird optic thing yeah but well, i think it's weird neither here nor there i feel like it's weird if you're a b and you're winning a major and then you like make a change to your it and then you got it, paul it in your ear and he's like throw harder <laughs> no throw it harder. didn't um because I'm, I'm trying to see he when... He joined around hole eight or nine. Yeah, and A.B. went, from there on, was birdie, birdie, bogey, par, birdie, birdie, birdie. It was it didn't... If you look at the round, you can't point out, like... It's not like Paul hopped on the bag on hole 16. Yeah. yeah. It's not like that's what happened. So, it's not like... I don't think it hurt A.B. by any means. It is weird. It is um, weird. But, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. We have the off week this week, and then Ledgestone the next week, I believe, is how the schedule comes back. Um it sh- sounds like Paul will be back to 100% back playing by then, but it will be an interesting one to follow to see what happens there. But congrats again to Corey Ellis. Yeah, that's He sick. is a major champion. He finally did it. Um, he finally did it, and he did it on a bigger stage than he had a shot to the, the previous few times. So yeah. well-deserved champion, right. played very well out there all weekend long. That was a big win for him because he had a really good season last year and was like starting like in everybody's minds was starting to be like okay Corey Ellis is like getting to elite company like he got added to the elite team for Discraft um and it was kind of like okay Corey Ellis is legit he's gonna he was like he's gonna win at any time now like that's where he was last year and then this year he's been up and down he's had some good finishes um and he's been playing pretty well as of late but he has had some bad ones as well and hasn't really been the player maybe we thought he was gonna be but getting the major win that, that'll do it. Yeah, he only has one podium this year at the Portland Open. Yeah, hasn't been the best season for him, but like this will turn. I mean, this turns it right around heck, for you. His last tournament he played was the Preserve. He came in forty first. Yeah, and coming off of that to the European Open, talented, very down. talented. Puts, yeah. puts extremely well. Has a very controllable throw, um, and just yeah, got it done. It was, it was very impressive, and he's a good player. So yeah, that he is. All right. With that being said, it's time to hop over into the fan favorite segment of Trevor Trivia. Okay. Um, we got a couple just like basic, just typical trivia questions today to having to do with the European open. Love it. Um, so you guys can see if you can answer either of them. They're kind of, they're kind of difficult questions. So the first one, when was the last time Paul didn't finish in the top two at the European open and who won that year? 2023 Corey Ellis. Ah, nice. Got it. Um, I'm going to say. Technically, you're right, but <laughs> 20, to 12, Dave Felberg. Wow. It was Dave Felberg. Wow. 2011. Oh! Dang, Hunter, that was pretty goaded, though. So, real, really, Dang. really good answer. That was pretty sick, Hunter. Thank that was you. very yeah. cool. Um, Paul wins that thing, like, every year. Uh, <laughs> okay, other question. When was the last time an FPO player won a major by at least 10 shots? By at least 10? Mm-hmm. 2023. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, by at least 10. And I'll give you a hint and tell you it was within the last five years. Mm. It's got to be Paige Pierce somewhere. It does feel like that. Um, when would it make, it make the most sense for it to be Paige 2021? There was no majors in 2020, right? It didn't have Worlds, Champions Cup wasn't a thing yet. 
If we go to 2019. They didn't they do USDGC in 2020? I think they did USDGC. But I think it was the only major. I don't know if they did US women's. Oh, they made Throw Pink Women's a USDGC. Or a major there in 2020. That was kind of the birth of it, I think. I'm going to go 2019 European Open Page Peers. No. It was the 2021 U.S. Women's Ooh, Page Pierce. Won by 13. Mm. Wow. Dominated. Kristen won Worlds last year by eight. I got 2021. <laughs> I feel like I remember doing Grip Locked in 2021 and constantly talking about Page winning. I think, so that's um, what it made sense to me. Apparently, Page held, holds the record for largest win at a major of 17 strokes at the European Open. Mm. Um, so, Kristen was one shy of it. Dang. Dang. That's tough. Yeah. Page better than tough Kristen. Tough scenes for Kristen. Yeah. Um, Following about the European Open, I forgot to mention this, but we'll go back into it for a quick second. Um, there were so many spectators out there. Oh, yeah. Large, large, large amount of people. It's awesome. Obviously. The gallery was awesome. Obviously, this is the only event that all the pros are at over in Europe, central location. It's a major. That has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I did notice general admission to this event is free. The oh. only way, the only paid p- parts are the VIP packages. And they're fifty dollars a day. Interesting. So, how much of it is the demand, and how much of it is well? Here's free tickets. Here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. If the disc golf pro tour rolled into your local town, and your buddies are like, "There's this disc golf thing going on. Should we go watch it?" Like it's the pros, and they're like, "Well, how much is it?" And if they tell you it's even thirty dollars, you're probably not going. But if it's free, you're probably going. (laughs) Now, obviously, they have. If to, you're like really into disc golf, it's not going to make a difference. But if you're like yeah. kind of into disc golf, yeah. then or even if you don't, even if you don't know anything about disc golf, you still might go watch it if it's free and you've got nothing. to Well, do. also, if you know a lot about disc golf and it, it costs money, then you don't really might not want to go by yourself, and you yeah. can't really convince your buddies. It, to spend, now, obviously, yeah. there's the balance of like how many ticket sales will they get versus like how can they convert sales if they make it free, like. You need to have vending at every single event and food options and things like that. Like that's where you'd make your money. But there's always that question of the pricing model. It's like it's like the concession model that some sports teams use, where they make their concessions really cheap and then they sell so much more of it that they end up making more money than people that make them expensive. It's you know, it's cost analysis. Well, stuff. The, the, cost analysis stuff. The European Open, I noticed they had a lot of like, like this tournament's built out. Like for instance. The commentary well, they, booth, it's yeah. an actual booth on the 18th green with like a glass wall behind So nice it. having them on So nice. Site. Uh, there, there's a lot of money at this event. Free general admission. I, I mean, if I go to an event and it's free, I am more likely to spend money. I'm going to spend money either way. Well, here's the thing. If, if I'm going to the, let's, let's put it this way. If I'm going to the European Open, and I, even if I am from Europe, if it, even if it's not tourism for me, um, and it's the only big event we get all year. I think there is some benefit to that. But even if I was going to a pro tour, if I was going to a, let's just say if I was going to a disc golf pro tour event, and this is me as a like disc golf consumer who's passionate about it, and it was free to get in. Um, if I'm there for two days, I'm going to probably spend 20 to $30 on food and probably another 20 to $50 on a, on souvenirs. Because I'm gonna get, I'm gonna want a T-shirt that has the event on it, um, or a disc that has the event on it. Maybe I just buy another disc, and I'm gonna buy food. Like, I don't know. I don't know what their average spend is and how well they activate that. But like, if I'm going to an event, well, but also the sponsorship activation, knowing you're gonna have that many people there, yeah, that, on the grounds. I just also, it's like, hard to it's hard to get disc golfs in front of plastic and them not. Leave but I, I get. <laughs> I mean, I also know that like some like some events are just ghost towns. So like they're probably not putting a ton of effort into that, but it's like, cause like I think of like, I'm thinking of like the pinnacle of disc golf, which is USDDC and like uh-huh. the European open. Like when I go to USDDC each year, I'm going to buy food there. Cause I'm going to be there for a while mm-hmm. and I'm going to buy some souvenirs because it's like a, it's like a, a keepsake. Yeah. So like the so European open, like they should be able to convert on that. Well, so this is an interesting fact here um, because people, obviously the arguments always, it's the one time all the pros are in your area. Okay. Yeah, in Virginia, the only time pros are in our area is USDGC. Okay, unless we have a pro tour closer tour championship, tour championship. Those are the yeah. only two, but and they're not, not in even Virginia. In our area. That's four hours. Yeah. Away. <laughs> so Finland, the entire country of Finland, which is where this event is, the entire country's five point five million population. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to go country to state. 
that would make 5.5 million is the 23rd biggest state in the U.S. Wow. So you do have to question of wow. like, how much is it that it's free? Because again, like if there was a if there was a pro tour in Richmond, because Virginia has eight million people, right? If there's a pro tour in Richmond, which Richmond doesn't have the best course for it, but I'm driving two hours well, to it. Well, flip, but flip it this way. Flip it this way. What if the entire tour took place in Europe and it only came to the U.S. one time? It doesn't matter where it is. It would be the highest attended event on probably the entire tour. So if you flip it that way, you ain't got. But I think it does matter where it is. Yeah, but I mean, if you put it in the southeast, absolutely, it's gonna I, be the highest. But like, event. you could put it a lot of places, and it would still be super well attended because if it's if it's a one time thing, and because like we, if you live in the states, you could like you can think to yourself, oh well, maybe I'll go out to this one or this one. Like there will be some tour event. No, I agree that that definitely has something to do with it. Yeah. But I'm saying when you put it in perspective, they're not pulling from the biggest population. Like yeah. even if you combined Norway, Sweden, and Finland, no, they get a great conversion. They're at 20 million. I, I think Europeans, and like that's smaller than a I lot think of Europeans, states. like the disc golf population in, in Finland and in Europe, which is pretty big, um, are super passionate anyways. And like, they just, they love it. And so I, um, yeah, I don't doubt that they just get a really conversion. I don't know how much of it has to do with the cost of it. And I, I would, I'm sure that the pro tour, I, I really hope that they continue to push to bigger population centers. Yeah. No, for instance, it, it seems like they are. I mean, Worlds next year in Lynchburg, and you might say, well, Lynchburg's not that crazy. Well, we're right in the middle of like Charlotte, Raleigh, D.C. Like we're so, there's so many, like Worlds is going to be, it's, when I try to think about how many people are going to be there, it's ridiculous. It's like USDGC, which is also around a lot of those places. And it's packed every year. There are a lot of places that the Pro Tour could go to be more strategic, but I would be curious to see like their pricing model, as far as I remember, is really they've tried to like create more add-on things, but they've never really gotten cheaper to go to Pro Tour events. I think the general admission, I've always every time I've looked at the Pro Tour, I've thought general admission's expensive. Because like, yeah, like Because you gotta think. You might be looking at what, twenty bucks a day? A lot of times, yeah, yeah. I think. And again, I'm paying that every time. Yeah. But if I'm trying to tell my buddies to go yeah. and they're not really into disc golf. Cause even, they're probably not paying 20 bucks like, a day. Even like, I think what, what the Wells Fargo that we went to, what was that? 50 bucks a day. If it might've been a hundred, I don't know. I don't even think it was, I don't even think it was that. Maybe it was, it was like 80 maybe. Maybe it was like 80 I'm not day. sure. But, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't, wasn't crazy. It wasn't And crazy. what we got for that was a lot more than you get to for going. <laughs> That's to what I'm tour. saying. Like, I, I don't know. I think their pricing is maybe a little bit out of touch, but I also, think it's very much out of touch. In my opinion, I think general admission to a pro tour event should max be $10 a day. Max. Yeah, I, would. I would say five dollars a day is where my head's at. Yeah. And you gotta have concessions. You gotta have. You have to have other ways to make money there. But I think getting people in the door. Yeah. Because also, it, a lot of the sponsorship activation is based on on ground attendance. Realistically, because yeah, you're gonna see some of it on coverage, but you're not guaranteed. Yeah. You're guaranteed to be seen with people on the grounds, and mm-hmm. it's hard to sell when you're like, we're gonna get five hundred people out there. It's like sick. I'll give you fifty bucks. Like that's not, they're charging a heck of a lot more than that. I can tell you that. Yeah. So yeah. that's going to be hard to keep up pace if you're only drawing a few hundred people yeah. at a time. Yeah. It's, it's such a weird one. Cause like, yeah, when I, like if the pro tour, if the pro tour got within two hours of me, it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee that I would go to it. So like, and I am, and I love disc golf. Obviously I'm probably an above average disc golf consumer, but there's a lot of us and so I feel like if, I just feel like if they targeted the right areas, you know, they would get a couple thousand out there every time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just in a bubble, but it just feels like they could be getting more people. Well, it's definitely the population areas they, they target, like Vermont at Worlds won't be crazy well attended. Yeah. It just won't. Emporia, Kansas, when you remove the AM side, shocker, wasn't that well yeah, attended. It's Kansas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like when we were in California, it, it was what we thought it was. When Kansas. We were on the West Coast. Yeah, there's a lot of really densely populated areas in the West Coast. They're far as crap from each other. Yeah, the yeah. East Coast is we kind of driving when it comes to population density. We were man. driving, and I was like, I can't imagine driving for this long and not seeing anything. Yeah. Like, it's, I just never realized it until I got out there how mm-hmm. much land there is. There was just, yeah. there was just miles and miles you know and funny? miles of land. You know what's funny? This one guy uh, that I go to church with, he knows me from Foundation, and he came up to me and said that that course in Kennewick was his home course. Oh, really? What are the odds of that? Like That's that random funny. course in Kennewick. Like two Rivers Park? Two yeah, rivers? He's like, what do you think of Kennewick? I was like, yeah, it was Kennewick, you know? <laughs> it was cool out there. <laughs> Big old river. It. Hunter did not like it, but you know. 
Yeah, I did not like did not like Two Rivers Park. Did not go well for me out there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting because when people were talking about, it, I was like, it was loud too. Those fans are were great. It was it was rowdy. Yeah, it it. Every time I was looking, like they'd zoom out. Think, I'm like, I think we have to so answer so many people. We have to answer the question: which is a more? And we might talk about this on debate night. But which is a more intimidating shot? Seventeen at USDDC or sixteen? Let's say let's say you have a one shot lead something like that or your tie of the lead. I think the only th- the only no thing doubt. that makes 16 you don't progress ever. Well, yes. So let's say let's say cuz 17 you used to not progress. I agree. And yeah, I think but now six, you do. I think say, 16 technically requires more skill. Let's say I would 100% agree. So I think 16's green is tougher because there isn't like the bailout on 17 realistically is a pretty big area, especially once you walk on that green. Now the hay bales are higher. I think the wind is more present usually because you have the water right there. But I think the crowd being there on 16, I mean, that hole is skinny. That island yeah. is skinny, and it is horrifying looking at that. I was like, how would you hit that island? Well, like, in my opinion, 16 is way tougher in the current standing just because you don't get to progress. Yeah, 17 If you now, bring back 17 where you don't progress, they should. 17 is harder. Because you're getting a stroke. You got a stroke. I think they should just turn 17 in, into the bunker rule, maybe. No, because I think that takes away the pressure. Well, maybe the, the it it's too which short. Which hole averages harder? Maybe you make the by like to stroke or to par, to par, to par. I don't. Oh, know. that's a good question. Maybe you bring back the make the bunker rule, but you make the green smaller. Because I do like the. You'd idea. have to make the green so much smaller because it's downhill and so short. I think you, I think you just bring back. Why uh, why are we of, making it softer? Just bring back the OB yeah. and don't progress. Yeah, you have this. You have the little layup area. Something. If you want to jump. Well, I'm just trying to give them some way they'd actually do it. I don't know. I just just make it hard. Make people cry out there. I agree. Cry, make them cry. Um, hole sixteen out there. That is a great question. Though. Average, and this is just the final round. Um, average point oh three over par. It's basically par. Okay. Um, let me see if I can go USDGC. Which is pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah. USDGC. But I think it's because a lot right? of people would make even if they miss the on. Well, a lot of people lay up for par. They just, yeah, that is true. Chuck it around. But even like that, you still gotta do something. One of the best moments of my life was whenever we were doing that we were like doing the practice round with Brody and he was like I just don't get it this hole isn't that big of a deal it's super easy I'm never not missing this hole and then we were actually in USDGC and he missed it like twice and he turned around and he was like it's a hard hole and he aced it in practice course, too yeah. that's 17 average .24 over par Okay, so much, hole much 17 average harder. harder those penalty strokes again though it's the, OB. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the OB but if you're in the lead I think 16 is scarier because we saw it happen to AB. You well, throw one or two out, like at USDC, you throw a few out, at least you get, you know you're moving forward. Right. The 16, yeah. you're like, 16, it starts you get to, to a point where you're like, you're like, I'm going to empty my whole bag. Like, I can't get there yeah. with the zone. So what, what happens when you do? empty your yeah. whole bag? Do we know? Do you get to get your yeah, discs just back? Just DNF. Yeah, probably. No, you DNF. have the time. This was asked at the PDGA. It was a back end to make that call get, a while ago. You get a certain amount of time to go retrieve a disc. Just the thirty seconds you have to throw. Yeah. Wow. So you'd have to run like Olympic. Somebody. Pace. Well, somebody could probably bring them back for you. That is legal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But so I'm sure somebody. I would. I mean, what I would do now, is I'd here's miss the a question. One time, I'd look back at my caddy and be like, "Hey, man, will you go and start walking?" Here's over a there? question because now <laughs> this Paul should. What should have happened is Paul should have been on the other side of the green throwing the disc back. To <laughs> so that's my my question is obviously it'd be probably negative headspace to be like planning to miss. But what if you're A B and you're like, listen, even if they're not allowed to throw it, like I need you I think the caddy could throw it. But even if he can't, I'm just saying like he could definitely run it back in thirty seconds. So like my question is if you're A B you're like, listen, if I miss with my first two, I need you to bring them back to me. I need you to be at the island ready to run. <laughs> like could you imagine <laughs> imagine you somebody imagine setting Paul? that up and the commentators are like what? Like Yeah, but even put, where can you imagine Paul yeah, McBeth standing behind is, Paul just like grabbing <laughs> Is a caddy allowed to get down the fairway like that? Because like imagine if you start you start setting up your caddy like down it, fairways you can't, as a target. You can't do that because Lisa Fake has left her bag in yeah. the fairway once, and Valerie Jenkins back then praised her for it, and everyone tore her apart in the comments because it's against PDJ rules to yeah. add the aim point. I forget I forget what the rule technically is, <laughs> but a, it's against the rules. Imagine to do you're it. paying a guy in the gallery to position himself where you're trying to aim. Yeah. Just like wear complete neon and stand where I'm trying to throw my shots. Like you plan it out. What if you there do that are a lot as of a ways gallery member? I just wore a shirt. That just said, Ain't I'm 100 here. out from the basket. That's my shirt. Said, and I always just, everywhere I went, range, fu- like, went, like, stood you just become a near marker the fairway on the and just range found until That's I was 100 feet away. We should do that at USDGC. It would never be right. 
<laughs> We're always like 220 feet out. Yeah, and just they like, get up there and like, what the heck? I'm like, what? You actually believe me? Stupid. Yeah, it's just a shirt. I'm just, wearing a shirt. You expect me to shirt, measure bro. everyone? Yeah, well, how am I going to do that? <laughs> it's a, it's a shirt. This rangefinder is not a rangefinder. It doesn't sure work. It's just a thermos. You start this is just a cake. You can just eat. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to do that. Um, let's go over the power rankings real quick. Give some updates here. About time, dude. We had. Um, <laughs> So currently, as it sits, Calvin Heimberg, Ricky Gannon, Isaac Paul. Should we do the FPO first because it's gonna be really simple? Oh, okay. I'm FBO, just saying, at least we don't have that hanging Kristen, over our head. Kristen Owen, Cat, Missy Haley. Let's not change it. Owen wasn't there. Kristen. Wins. Where is Owen coming back? The Haley wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I think it's good where it is. I think we don't. I think we'll worry about it for right Cat, now. Cat and Missy came in third. Yeah. So what are you supposed I to do? I don't that? really worry about it for right now. All right, back to MPO. There, that was FPO. Calvin. That was fun. Calvin, Ricky Gannon, Isaac Paul, Eagle. Proctor, A.B., Simon, Alden Harris. Pretty good start, to be fair, because all of those guys... They were all kind of up there. there, but everybody else did Paul. Did we get a little hip-hop by Ezra? Paul struggled prior to the injury. Oh, did we bounce? We bounced Ezra last time, so we might have to bounce him back in, because Alden took like 40th, I want to say, or he didn't, or maybe like 20th. But we bounced Ezra. 19th. Alden Harris came in 19th. I think we we slide Ezra back into that slot. And bump... and Bob Alden because they've been kind of bouncing back and forth. Ezra, and Ezra hold. did play really well. Um, AB I think's fine in eighth. He probably could maybe jump. Jump Proctor. Proctor. Is that a principle? Should we probably just bring him back down? I'm just kidding. Proctor came in 23rd. We could probably slide him up one over Proctor. So just flip them to yeah. flip those two. He almost won a major, kind of. Well, well, he came in seventh. Whew, that's tough, man. Tough to tough to. At least he didn't lose. fall outside the top ten. Like he lost a, probably a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> tough um isaac ended up doing okay eagle i think eagle and eagle can probably jump paul yeah yeah i respect that i found it very interesting earlier whenever you were talking about eagle and you were like he's got to look out for those young guns or whatever and it was so funny to me to think about eagle like eagle's not a young guy he's technically young he's 27 just because of how crazy the sport has gotten with young guns in the sport yeah i think he was born in 97 i think he's my age i think he's 26 yeah he's is he yeah, he's, he's either my he's age either twenty six or, or twenty seven. No, no he, I think he's either twenty five or twenty six. Yeah, he, I don't think he's twenty five. He, he might be a year younger than me. I think he's born. I'm twenty six. Yes. So I think he's twenty six. You should be able to find it on Wikipedia. Twenty five. Oh, he's born, born in ninety eight. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm that's pretty sure he's a year I younger thought, than I didn't, me. I didn't. Really? I didn't think he was older. Yeah, he's twenty five. Okay. That's not. You're not young anymore when you're twenty five. Yeah. I mean, in the, sports, in the sports world, he's definitely he's still young, but right he's not now. a young guy. He's not a younger. You're yeah, not a young yeah, guy. Yeah, like yeah, he's not he's a, young a young guy. guy not a young. He guy. is. He's a still a young and a, but he's he's an established. He's in his talent. prime, right? Young, he's a young gun guy is, that yeah. owns a gun. You're yeah. You can't. You're only a young gun if in disc golf you got to be like 23 and under. Realistically, maybe 22 and under to be yeah. a young gun. Like Carter Aaron's young gun. Gannon still a young gun. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So we have Calvin, Ricky, Gannon. Probably decided on that. Isaac, Ezra, Paul, AB. Holy God! Oh, got him. James Proctor, Simon Ezra. Um, do we does Corey get any love for winning a major? No, we might have to. We can go Corey versus Ezra. Yeah, but I say Corey we, hasn't had the greatest season. It is tough though. He, like did he just, just came win a in forty first. He did the week before that, and he came in fifty third at the last major. But he did just win a major. It might warrant a tenth place, no matter what. I don't know. I know we're just handing out. Well, I don't. I don't like really that. know what these power rankings stand for anymore. So I know we just kind of go off of our gut. But it's I'm, because it's because Paul Macbeth DNFs and jumps. This is why these exist. Paul Macbeth DNFs and jumps Ricky Wysocki who came in sixth. And so Paul's now the second best player. <laughs> that in the is world. so. That's why the power funny, rankings dude. exist. Oh my like that, gosh, bro. Paul didn't do anything wrong. Paul just played a tournament, dropped out. He was hurt. Udisc is like, oh yeah, like, that checks out. Ricky came in sixth, and Paul was like twenty strokes behind him. But DNF, Shit. we'll jump him. Yeah, that, that doesn't make any freaking sense. Like, explain silly. that one. You do to me. better, you disc. I, I love you disc so much for everything except their world rankings. Yeah, I don't understand. And I, when their world rankings came out, I was like, "Yeah, this makes sense. This is great." Quickly did not make sense. Quickly does not make sense. It's better to not play than to play bad. That like just the, doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, that's like the one part of it that really struggles. Well, it also has too much history. Too much. Um, history. Who's I doing? Corey Ellis to Aderhold Ezra. Yeah. Corey wins five and four See, against him. This is why we check these things, Hunter. It didn't. It didn't pass the gut check. Dang, Ezra's gonna get bounced again. I feel so bad. He's been playing so well this year. He was in there for for a minute or two. He was all right. Put him in. Corey goes in. Yeah. I, I feel much better about that. Simon is on the rocks though. 
I'll tell you that. Should we go eight or hold to Simon? Yeah, let's do that because Simon Simon didn't play European Open. Yeah, do you remember that. We do need to remember that. Well, currently you just that three means and two, three spots. two and two and three. Mm. So Ezra's they're three, two, and one against each other. Okay, but Ezra just got a fi- really good finish at a major. It's close. Let's go Simon to Corey. It's very close. This is this is going to be a photo finish. Four and three. Simon mm-hmm. wins. Simon, I think Simon. I'm going to keep Simon. I think he's clinging to that spot. We'll keep the Simon fans happy. It's kind of a win-win. Yeah. All right. Calvin, Ricky, Gannon, Isaac, Eagle, Paul, AB, Proctor, Simon, Corey. That's your Grip Lock Top 10. Heck yeah. And that's the episode. Talk to you again next week.